Welcome to Silicon Valley Bite Size, a quarterly update on the technology sector from the Alliance Technology Trust. My name is Cherry Reynard. ATT was formed in December 1995 and relaunched in 2007 for investors to gain exposure to quoted global technology companies. Since 2007, the trust has been managed by a highly experienced team based in San Francisco, which benefits from its proximity to Silicon Valley, where many of the world's key technology companies are headquartered. For this first episode of Bite Size, I'm joined by Walter Price, fund manager of the trust, to discuss the outlook for the sector and analyse some of the recent upsets that have rocked markets. Walter, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the main aims of the trust and how you manage money. Yeah, our investment approach is to look for those uh, major sub-markets in technology that are either uh, developing a new way of doing things or a much lower cost way of doing things. And I think that creates great value for investors over time as these subsectors uh, mature and uh, the leading companies in those subsectors uh, grow and uh, create value for investors. And so, uh, you know, we, we've done that well over a long period of time. And I, I, you know, I continue to see lots of emerging companies uh, that uh, will grow to be very important companies in the future and, and create great value for investors uh, in the future. So, pretty optimistic about the outlook. Um, It's been a hectic quarter for the technology sector. Um, Can you walk me through some of the major events from the last quarter that you've been dealing with? Well, uh, Congress and the president have decided to get involved in the technology sector. And uh, as you say, it's been a a very volatile period, uh, particularly from January on. You know, I think one of the first... uh, issues was the uh, Facebook data protection issue, and uh, that led to congressional hearings last week uh, with Mark Zuckerberg uh, testifying for a couple of days in front of Congress. Uh, and that was associated with uh, data leakage from Facebook into uh, Cambridge Analytica and then into other people uh, that took advantage of the Facebook data and the Facebook contacts to build uh, their own databases. Then the second issue was uh, uh, the U.S. trying to address the huge trade deficit with China by p- putting tariffs in on uh, some Chinese goods, and the Chinese responded with their own tariffs, and then uh, this led to an escalation of uh, the tariff war. And um, um, I do think that uh, you know this is an issue that has to be addressed by the U.S., and then finally, uh, there's the issue of uh, the tax uh, changes that were passed last year and took effect in the first quarter and uh, certainly have helped earnings uh, for uh, the tech companies and helped their sentiment uh, and their cash flow. So those are those are the three big issues that we've been dealing with this quarter. And to what extent do you believe that the data issue is a problem for the wider technology sector? Well, the technology industry's kind of grown up without uh, any uh, any regulations for data protection or limited uh, issues for data protection, limited laws for data protection. And I think that Europe has actually been the pioneer in trying to put some laws into place with GDPR, uh, the General Data Protection Regulations. Uh, and... Uh, I think the U.S. was kind of uh, 
ignoring that issue for a while. But then when uh, the data was taken from uh, Facebook and uh, people started worrying about uh, where was where was their data going to end up, uh, that caused Congress to get involved. So I think that you're going to see more regulation on the tech companies over time. Uh, they're big, important companies, and uh, uh, they have a lot of money. And so uh, that uh, almost guarantees that uh, they're going to be some sort of regulation by Congress and some way of uh, controlling uh, what they do and what they're allowed to do. Uh, but uh, fundamentally, I think they provide great products. And so um, I think users spend a lot of time on those products. And I don't see people not doing searches or not doing contacts with their family through Facebook uh, any time in the future. In terms of the tax changes, to some extent, that's had a seems to have had a disproportionate effect on the technology sector, particularly because of the sort of the, the balances that are held offshore by technology companies. Could you talk a little bit about that and and how it's how it's going to change the technology sector? You know, bringing those cash balances back onshore. Yeah, initially we thought that. Um Technology companies who have the largest amount of uh, cash offshore, it's, it's uh, almost a trillion dollars just in the technology sector alone, uh, that they would bring that back and use it for stock repurchase, but also for uh, M&A. Uh, but what's happened in the first quarter is actually M&A has proven quite difficult to get done. Uh, um, you know, many of these companies want to buy foreign companies, and uh, foreign governments seem to be taking notice of their technology assets and not letting them go uh, very easily. So we had uh, Avago try to buy Qualcomm, for example, in the first quarter, and uh, uh, the U.S. blocked that acquisition because they said Qualcomm was too valuable a company to let a foreign company, even though Avago was trying to become a U.S. company, let a foreign company take it over. And uh, the Chinese have blocked... Uh, another company that Qualcomm was trying to buy in China, NXP, because they want to extract some royalty concessions from Qualcomm. So it's proving very complicated to make big acquisitions in technology. Uh, we did have some smaller acquisitions happen. Uh, MuleSoft was purchased by uh, Salesforce.com for uh, the highest valuation of any uh, software company in recent memory, but uh, the, those acquisitions are hard to, to make. So I think more of the money will be used for share repurchase uh, than we expected. And, you know, that's that's good for shareholders. A lot of the focus in the potential trade war between China and the US um, has been on commodities. So steel in one direction and Jim Beam in the other. Um, to what extent... Does are these tariffs likely ultimately to affect the technology sector? I mean, China and the US are becoming closer rivals. You feel in the in within technology. Well, I think uh, with respect to the tariffs, uh, the effect on technology companies has been kind of an indirect effect thus far uh, because. Uh, there's a huge trade imbalance in technology. Most of the technology products are manufactured in China and they flow into the US. So it's been um, really kind of 
positioning China for the future growth of their economy by trying to make more technology-intensive products. And so they're trying to get the technology uh, as easily as they can. Um, so that's the, you know, I think that's the longer-term issue. Do they steal it? Do they buy it? Uh, do they develop it? Uh, it takes, takes a long time to develop it. Um, with respect to the near-term issue, I think, uh, you know, there's a $350 to $400 billion deficit with China that the U.S. runs uh, through manufacturing in China. And uh, they're trying to move a lot of that manufacturing back to the U.S. And that will be done with uh, tariffs or with uh, tax benefits uh, or with cajoling of the technology companies to move their manufacturing back to the U.S. where the products are consumed. And so, you know, I think that's an intermediate-term process that's a very good tailwind for the technology sector. You're going to need more plants. You're going to need more robots. You're going to need uh, more vision systems because uh, those plants are going to have to be much more automated than the labor-intensive plants that you find in, in China. So um, otherwise, they won't be competitive, and the U.S. companies will take uh, – you know, a big hit to their costs and uh, probably hurt demand if they were just to move a Chinese factory to the U.S. So they need to automate it much more than it's been thus far. So I, I do think longer term, that's a big positive for the technology sector. Um, near term, you could get some disruption if a tariff's put into place and China retaliates and says, Apple, you can't ship iPhones uh, or... Uh, Cisco, you can't ship switches, uh, or uh, Dell, you can't ship computers. So uh, that that would be the other issue. But uh, I think we're unlikely to see that for now because uh, those companies employ a lot of Chinese workers. Okay. Um, on a on a you I said you have um, Chinese holdings within the portfolio. And in the past, you've talked a little bit about the Chinese social media platforms and how they're evolving differently to those um, in the US. Could you talk a bit about that and how it's sort of expanding the universe to some extent of what it means to be a tech company? Yeah, it's interesting the way that uh, the Chinese uh, Internet companies have evolved. Uh, it, you know, the, for a long time, they were playing catch-up to the U.S. companies and kind of copying the U.S. models. And now I think they're actually the innovators in social media and e-commerce. Uh, I think Alibaba's actually got uh, a much more sophisticated e-commerce system than, than Amazon does. Um, and uh, it's different, but, uh, you know, they control marketing, they, they control uh, promotion, they control uh, transactions, uh, they have their own payment system. So it's a much more complete system and the retailers feel like they're, you know, very often captives of Alibaba as opposed to competitors. Um, and then with respect to gaming, I think Tencent is the most advanced gaming company in the world and the best uh, social media company uh, in the world in terms of the ability to send money through their platform, the ability to segment into different uh, interest groups and have uh, conversations based on uh, gaming or based on um, some interests that you have. You know, there's a CFO group on WeChat, on WeChat for example, uh, that just talk about their companies and how to run things. And so 
less focus on advertising, more focus on functionality, and more focus on payments. So uh, Chinese, I think, are ahead of the U.S. in this area. I guess this is part of how the technology sector continues to evolve all the time. And I mean, are there certain types of companies that would have wouldn't have been considered a you know tech company 10, 15 years ago, but are now within your kind of universe? Yeah, I think technology continues to grow as a part of the market. And, uh, you know, there are two reasons for that. One is the existing tech companies are kind of broadening into, uh, you know, drug delivery companies in the case of Amazon or uh, food distribution companies. Uh, uh, but the other reason is that technology is becoming uh, a driver for a lot of uh, sectors. Like I think it's a driver for the auto sector for the next five to ten years. And nobody ever thought of auto technology as being very interesting before. Now it's interesting to everyone. Um, and I think that's true with uh, you know robotics and automation. It's become much more technology intensive and there's a lot more use of AI and machine learning and, um, you know, it's speech recognition, vision recognition, uh, mean that those companies are becoming technology companies or uh, there are new companies that are rising to do those functions that are much better that, that use technology. So our definition of technology is a company that's impacted uh, and its growth is a function of the fact that it's uh, uh Technology is the driving force behind its innovation. And, and that means we have a pretty broad definition of technology companies, and that, that's helped us in the past, and I think it'll help us in the future. With the recent problems with Facebook, um, we've seen the kind of tide of public opinion shift to some extent. Is, is that a problem for the wider technology sector? And are you seeing these companies embrace more social responsibility? I guess I'm a little cynical about uh, companies' motivations. Uh, their motivations are to uh, prosper and grow and, and make money. Um, uh, and uh, they make very powerful-sounding comments about how they want to change the world, make it a, a better place. But when you look at what they do, uh, they build a database so that they can do uh, targeted advertising more effectively to their <laughs> consumers. So I think you have to take, and I think the public does take, uh, what anyone says about their longer-term uh, goals to make the world a better place and, and look at what they do. And, and uh, what they do is uh, now is to be much more conscious about people's sensitivity about letting their data go elsewhere. Okay. And uh, I mean, cybersecurity is a perennial issue that, that pops up. I know, I know you hold security companies within the portfolio. I mean, are, are they still reaping the benefits of these, um, you know, these cybersecurity difficulties? Yeah, cybersecurity, in our view, is a, is a great industry. It, it's not a high growth industry because uh, it's limited by people's ability to consume uh, the output from the products. Um, and uh, the companies that are, uh, in some sense, becoming more attractive are those that are automating uh, those alerts and figuring out which ones are important and using AI to basically supplement uh, the information that they're getting from uh, their 
uh, telemetry inside of a company's uh, servers and um, PCs and smartphones. Um, so, but uh, when you're moving to the cloud, you're moving to an open environment. It's inherently a dangerous environment, and you're going to have to spend more on security and uh, uh authenticating your user and authenticating your device and making sure that device isn't doing something that it shouldn't be doing. So, you know, I think it's an ongoing battle, uh, an ongoing process, because the criminals have a tremendous incentive to steal things. I mean, just this, just in the last 12 months, we've seen hundreds of millions of dollars disappear from Bitcoin exchanges or from governments uh, that's been stolen because they didn't have adequate security. And uh, it's gone. I mean, it's it's uh, you know it's not going to be returned. Mm -hmm. So you you better spend the money on security. And companies realize that it's a steady growth, uh, solid growth industry. It's going to continue to grow for a long time. Looking ahead to the rest of 2018, um, and you're kind of embedded in um, Silicon Valley, and therefore see some of the um, the, the newest innovations firsthand. Um, is there anything that you're particularly excited about this year or that you th you feel may be, you know, a good technology of the future? Well, I, I think this innovation that we're seeing around the enterprise space is really just getting going, whether it's cloud computing or software as a service or AI or uh, machine vision, automated cars. They all require the cloud. They all require uh, data to be uh, operated on with these uh, AI farms. But once you do that, you get this productivity benefit for your company that uh, keeps on growing over time. And so I think, uh, you know, I'm very excited about what I call this uh, and, and what other people have called the fourth industrial revolution that I think we're embarking on. And I, I think it comes at a time when actually the world needs it. Uh, we're seeing birth rates decline in, in China. We're seeing uh, population, working population decline in many countries, including the U.S. And so you need more automation. You need more intelligence. Uh, and um, uh, that's a, a good tailwind for technology. Um, what about general market or economic changes that might uh, disrupt the technology or have a big impact for the rest of the year? Well, I mean, every every day, I guess we wake up and we worry about another tweet from our president in the <laughs> United States <laughs> disrupting yeah. our, our portfolio. Um, and, uh, you know, we've certainly had a sh our share of those in the first quarter. But, you know, I, I think fundamentally what I worry about is uh, inflation and uh, the labor shortages that I talked about, um, you know, it's it's ironic at a time when you're building walls and trying to cut down the immigration into the U.S., uh, you have the lowest unemployment rate in 10 years and uh, a lot of uh, companies that can't find skilled workers and can't find uh, enough workers. Uh, so, you know, I, I do worry that once wage inflation gets going, it could go up pretty fast and uh, it could lead to another recession in, in uh, 19 or 20. So I think that's the thing to be worried about. Okay. And what about the, uh, the kind of big themes that are running through the trust this year? Well, I think, uh, as I said, I think cloud computing is a big theme uh, that's just getting started. Uh, 
I think uh, we're, we're trying to get more in front of this uh, fourth industrial revolution uh, by owning companies that are going to participate in that. And that's a big theme in the portfolio. We're, we're trying to make it a larger theme. You know, there's some themes that we've cut back. And I think that uh, the media companies, despite the fact that uh, I think they're great fortresses of value, I think that um, now that digital media is 50% of uh, advertising in a lot of countries, that it's going to be more difficult for them to grow as fast as they have in the past. So uh, some areas in technology look like they're just getting started in their growth cycles, and some of them look like they're pretty mature. So we continue to we continue to look for the opportunities for investors, and, and that's why we think people hire us. Thank you for listening to Bite Size. To learn more about the trust or to sign up to our monthly newsletter offering insight into the technology sector, visit allianstechnologytrust.com.